And welcome to this unusual edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk, joined by Chapin Hemingway. Hello. Uh, hello. Um, we uh, do not have Lee Carlo with us tonight. We're not sure why yet. Uh, hopefully everything's all right. But uh, we just found out as we were sitting here that he couldn't uh, partake in this. And I have my suspicions as to why. I don't think he can fully say the whole title of this movie. Oh, it's like a literacy kind of thing? Yeah, he's too nervous about it. So he's mm. just like, I gotta abandon this because I don't want to say the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford every time. Right, um, right. I think we could, we could just shorten it to say Jesse James. Also, we just could say the movie. I, f- I find this movie... Yeah, once you say it once. Look, it's fun actually to say the first time around oh, yeah. but i but i think i think we do have to abbreviate the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford moving forward it's probably a good idea okay so we will review that um for what reason i'm not sure chapin had a he can he can explain he had an inkling to watch this a feeling to watch this movie I did. and we all said sure uh it's been a while it came out in 2007 directed yep. by by andrew dominic who uh has a movie coming out this year uh what's it called blonde the marilyn yep. monroe movie so we will Rated be nc-17 we will be partaking in that uh not because of the rating because of <laughs> i think so director uh <laughs> and uh yeah let's um let's get into it shall we let's do it uh, you have a question. Me? That was good. Yeah, you're supposed to. You're hosting. Yeah, I know. I do. Okay, good. I was just saying, we, let's get into it, and then hopefully you play like a little clip or something, and then we come back to it, and 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 then I I, I have a question for you. Um, so when we talk about this movie, like you, you know, casually it gets brought up. It's almost always the cinematography of Roger Deakins that sort of like gets us. I mean, aroused. To say it politely. That's a polite way of saying it. <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I I figured we'd, we'd get to that um, subject matter pretty quickly. So I thought I'd, I'd come at this from a slightly di- different angle and ask you about what you thought of the narration in this film. So there's narration throughout the whole thing, sort of explaining a lot of what's happening, what you see on screen, and also sort of gives you the history of uh, Jesse James and Robert Ford and their merry band of uh, misfits. Uh, it, re- it it very much reminds me of the like sort of opening of Magnolia narration in this. Yeah. Uh, I looked up the guy, but he's no one famous um, in... in his like sort of tone in the way that the movie uh, expresses it to the audience. But in Magnolia, it sort of starts the movie and 
I believe you get a little bit at the end when uh, it's raining frogs and he says, and it did happen or, or whatever. But here you get it throughout. Uh, narration's very interesting in films in general, just as far as like, is it a crutch? Is it necessary? Like, when when has when has it been used well? Like in the case of Magnolia, when has it not? Um, and what did you think of it in this film in particular? Maybe we'll start there and then uh, move over into the the rest of this movie. Yeah, I, I didn't like it when the first time I saw it. And to be honest, I don't. I didn't really like this movie the first time I saw it either. Just the movie as a whole, and the narration was kind of to blame for that. I mean, the guy's got a sort of unusual voice. He speaks what in what I would assume is the parlance of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh but it's really grown on me. Uh why but why? It's and and it's weird because it's like contradictory in a lot of places. Like he says which is re, uh, true about Jesse James is he had this condition that made him blink a lot. Um and they when they say it, they're on a close up of Brad Pitt just kind of like not blinking. Not blinking. Yeah. Uh, and blinks the least amount of any actor in any movie. Yeah. Um So the guy's name's Hugh Ross. Just Hugh so, Ross, okay. Yeah, um a, a name to put with the voice. I uh, but I, I, I like it. I mean it it, it kind of it kind of feels it kind of mere it nicely aligns with the sort of the stories of Bob, that Bob Ford read about the James gang, you know, like you can imagine that the way those were written was, or was not at least maybe like the more realistic ones were not far from that in that kind of tone. Mm. Um, and it just, it just makes it feel the film as a, as a whole feel like a, like a, like a tale, like a, a something you know, that we are being told as opposed to watching or visualizing. Um, and I know that's something that's a little strange to say in a movie that's like incredibly visually stimulating. Um, but I like it. It just, it sets an interesting tone, which I think is like, this is sort of the, it's, and it's even like maybe juxtaposed, like in in that great way that like, you know, Scorsese can use Layla against, you know, people getting murdered and, and the sort of the juxtaposition of those two things in the same way. Like this is a, a very calm voice. And I think that I find the narration kind of soothing, but in reality, and also it's, I think it sort of suggests that there is like a legendary quality to these people. And I think this movie is about how they aren't really legendary at least, or it's like the end of their time, right? It's like the, the sort of the, um, the, 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 the crumbling of the James gang. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I liked it or not. Like I, I found it soothing, you know, when it, when, you know, it was happening, but I also felt it to be a bit of a crutch and, and, and a crutch in the way that, like, without this narration, I don't think this story tells much of a story, you know? Like, if yeah. we were just to watch it without it, like, I think you get characters that sort of meander and bump up against each other, but there's no real emotional stakes. I don't know if there ever really is in this movie, and we can get into that, Um 
You don't, you don't think there's any stakes? Um, I don't think there's like, not really, honestly, like not mm. completely. I don't think that we completely care about Jesse James. Um, I think there's more to care about with Robert Ford, but I think without the narration, it wouldn't be there. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with it. And I guess that's why I brought it up as my question, because there are times that I felt it came together, especially towards the end. But a lot of it, I felt unnecessary hmm. in, in this movie. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if it has to do with the drawn out nature of this film or um, I don't want to say performances because we'll get into that. There is one performance I particularly really liked, um, but I don't know. It, this film has that Terrence malick wandering, wandering eye uh where I feel like the narration sort of pulled that back a little bit and gave us some structure to it. So that was helpful. But at the same time, do we need it as much as we needed it? But it's, I mean, the the one issue I, I'll take with that is, is the narration doesn't feel, I mean, I think it probably, it probably is um, a, a, a tool to tell the story in a, in a, in a movie that's not particular doesn't have a lot of, you know, narrative direction. But to me, I think it's more, it's more powerful as a, like I said before, as a, as a, as a tone setting, as a, as a piece with the music and the cinematography and, you know, the set, the mise-en-scene, um, like to me, it sets a tone really. And it sets, it takes me back to, um, you know, that, that time period. It feels like, it feels like a story. And I mean, I think, you know, I didn't figure this out on my own. It's obviously there's a lot of it, about how it, you know a lot written about this movie and you know it's kind of about fame and blah 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 and that kind of thing and legend and whatever but like uh and because of that i think this i think the the fact that this feels like a, a storytelling device makes it feel like you're being told the story which i like a lot and i think that really makes it work for me i mean i'd rather have it than not have it i think it's a key part of the movie yeah, I mean, you br- bring up a good point when it comes to tone and and setting that tone. And like, do you think that this movie was really that interested in telling a story or giving you a, I hate to say experience, but like giving you something else, giving you a, a, a feeling, a moment in time and history? Like, it was was the story about Jesse James that important? You think to uh, the filmmakers here, or was it the the surrounding uh, aura of Jesse James in the time in the in the eighteen eighties in the time period in life in America? It's a good question. Um, I had this thought, and I can't think of another analogous movie when I when I say this, but I, I, I it is something I notice a lot where there is a clear narrative, there is a clear plot, and I could lay it out for you right now if you want, but it doesn't feel like the filmmaker is into it, is interested in it. It's like, it's the, the yeah. movie isn't really focused on it. There's a narrative and we see the narrative and we're told the narrative and it's not like a Terrence Malick movie where there is no narrative. You know, it's essentially like there is like, we're building towards things and scenes unfold and in much the way 
um, you know, they do in normal movies. But the fil- the difference being that this Andrew Dominic doesn't seem like that interested in in the sort of beat by beat. Why have a storyteller? Like, I guess it's it's trying trying both ways in in a weird way. Like, it's it's giving you a literal storyteller to tell you the story, but it's also doesn't seem to be that interested in the story or your connection to these characters. It, it's more interested in in transporting you to a a time, a place, a mood that the director wants to capture, which he does beautifully. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like it's, and I guess that's kind of what I was getting at is like the storyteller, the narrator is there to sort of cover up that part of it where the director wasn't that interested. Yeah. I, I don't think that that, I don't agree with that. Um, I don't agree that the, I don't agree that the, I don't think the narration is, is filling potholes. I mean, in, in some ways, like I said, it's like, completely contrary to what's happening in the story um i mean i could i feel like i could rank like uh dominic's uh things of importance like the most important thing to him was cinematography uh and then like music and then came the acting and then we'll try to tell this story a bit you know i feel like if if you if you had to you know rank the 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 tools in the in the uh director's toolbox that's that's how i would do it but then what would you but what is the intent his intention there so yes those are his tools but what is he using them for uh, like is he interested in yeah. a tone is he interested in i think a, a tone feeling? yeah is like, I, you know i think a tone um yeah i i would go with that and like and and he was successful with that. He was definitely successful with that. You know, in almost to the movie's own detriment, where you're you're distracted by it. You know, yeah. You know, we're we're sitting there. We're waiting. We're you know having seen it once. We're waiting for that train to come up around the corner and that light to shine over. You know, the silhouette of Brad Pitt and go. Oh, there's one. There's one of, if not the best shots in, in cinema history, right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, but look, like, I, okay, I, and I always go back to this, but let, let's say, you, and you probably have just, had just seen it once, and we let's just say we yeah. saw this once and, you know, didn't revisit it or rewatch it, but I think what makes a movie like this so rewatchable is that it, like, during this particular viewing, I sat down and I was, like, watching it for the plot. I was like, well, what actually is happening here? Yeah. And there, it, it, things happen, like, you know, the robbery happens, Jesse's getting, um you know, paranoid about everybody and kind of starts taking people out. And, um, it's just, it, it just, it just meanders in a way. And I also think the dialogue is like really, really well written. It feels very like of the time, but it doesn't feel wooden or, um, and it's obviously like an incredible, incredible cast also. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's just mention it real quick. Like, so Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck are the two main stars, but I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell shows up, Jeremy Renner, Sam Shepard, uh, who else? Who am I missing? Paul this? Schneider, who I think is really good in this. Mary Louise Parker, Garrett yeah. Dillahunt, Ted Levine. Yeah, James Carville. <laughs> yep. Ah, classic. Um, but yeah, uh, 
I just, I did the same thing this time around where I'm like, okay, let's, it's a good way to put it, Jamie. Like, let's see what actually happens. Like, tell me this story. Cause I don't remember the story of right. Jesse James. I remember, I remember the cinematography of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, but I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about Jesse James or what he did or why he was famous or, or right. Robert Ford or this or that. Um, you know, uh, and I felt like there's certain things that, like, the narrator would be like, and then, you know, after Jesse James died, his picture sold for $2, and he was his body was worth more money than, than the uh, president's assassin or something like that. And you're just kind of, you, you still go, but why? I still don't get it. Why? Right. So I think I I feel like the the movie's almost too close to the characters to understand the lore. Well, I think you should think of the narration as the lore. Like think of sure, and I like I think or, that's or, the or like a news or a newspaper, you know, like but, a newspaper like, person. As I watch the movie, I want to like I want to feel like you know these characters these these actors are very good and they're portraying like serious emotion and i want to understand their motivations and i want to get like what's really sort of happening within w- within them and i don't know if i completely get that and like you know by the end am i supposed to feel bad for Jesse James like why it, why did why like why did Robert Ford go in and and get like? Why did everyone turn on him? It seems like I. I why, why did Sam Rockwell do do what he decided to do? His character decided to do. I didn't quite get the whys of all that, despite being really into these performances. In the yeah. narration, didn't the like you said the narration was the lore, so that didn't really cover the individual. Um, motivations. The right. performances were amazing, but I wasn't quite sure why they were feeling the way they were feeling. So I feel like that's where that that's where the bridge didn't connect for me. Okay, and I really like I I, I alluded to it earlier. I loved uh, Casey Affleck in this. I thought he was so good, and I didn't remember him being that great before and i thought brad pitt was fine um it's a tough character to play it's a very stoic sort of character uh but casey affleck i thought i thought he was just he was really really good in this uh but i yeah, still lost a lot of the motivation for everything and it's his story you know it's, it's his, his story. uh but yeah like i i mean like another another title for this movie could be never meet your heroes <laughs> Yeah, you know it's like the ultimate right. uh, version of that, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think I I, I try I tried to look at it from the lens of yeah, this is a movie about you know fame and infamy and all that stuff, and um, I think it's there. But what I kind of really loved about this movie is the way you see these guys who are I kind of like, and maybe you know maybe Jesse James is the same way. Like you never really see him do anything successfully, like people worship him and they're afraid they fear him. Um, but he doesn't ever do anything significant. 
in the movie like that that would warrant a legend like this right that's yeah that's part of it and that's kind of like what i was saying like you never see that part of it yeah again you have the narrator saying the lore of it but you never really quite understand it and i i know that was intentional to show like the like i don't know the the uh, human side's not the wrong word but like i don't know just like that these are this was sort of the life of these people that ended up being lore but i i couldn't connect the dots there okay well i think so my takeaway was that this time around and i probably i think i've seen it more times than you have so yes this is only second time i've seen it these these guys are just boneheads you know they're they aren't like every one of these characters in this movie has a wikipedia entry right yeah. Every one of them, uh, as I look at this now. And so they're all famous and well-known, but the movie depicts them as kind of buffoons. You know, they they, they worship Jesse James, who we don't see doing anything cool. Um, they aren't, they rob a train and don't really make that much money. Um, you know, Bob exhibits a little bit of courage when he shoots Wood Height in the head. But that gunfight leading up to it, they're like shooting at each other from three yeah. feet away yeah, and, missing. and missing and missing. I thought that was great. Uh, you know, it's not like these guys aren't sexy and they kind of like, you know, bunk up in their sister's house in the in the attic and pay rent and do some robberies once, once in a while. And like, why do we worship these people? Why are these people known to us 200 years later or, what, or 100 years later? And I don't think this movie answers that and and i think your your point is it wasn't try, really trying to well i think it's asking i think it's i think the ultimately it's asking us that oh it's asking us that question great i mean that that makes sense but because his first movie did you ever see chopper his first movie no i it's saw really the good. um the other Brad Pitt one in louisiana louisiana one um didn't killing, killing them softly. Yeah, killing them softly. Didn't particularly like. Yeah, that. Uh, well, I do. Chopper I, is similar <laughs> in that it's about this like the most famous criminal in Australia, and he's just kind of in love with his own fame. And you know, so this is like a common, at least between these two films, it's a common thread. I get um, that, really but you good. can do that in different. Like, if you look at a movie, speaking of Terrence Malick, you look at like Badlands. I think that movie deals with the aspect of. Um, infamy a lot better than than this movie does. Okay. Um, I think you you see like Kit's obsession, like in it, it to the point where it's humorous of him, you know, wanting to be famous, or like a Bonnie and Clyde. Like I, I don't know. There's just something more tangible about the understanding of why those characters are those characters where this is not. And I understand that you're, and you're probably right. Like this is saying like, why are they famous? I don't, you know, like you tell me, but it's still as an audience member, uh, leaving me wanting. Okay. And that's, that's, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I think, I think the, yeah, I mean, I think this is an interesting topic to discuss in general. But like, if you look, you step back and you say, and I think it's something we've talked about a lot. It's like a, a fine line between like subtlety and just not doing, not telling a story, right? And 
you know, you look at, I think a great example is you look at a movie like tree of life, which I hope we get a chance to re review. You guys reviewed it when it first came out. Um, that's a movie that is very much a Terrence Malick movie. It's very all over the place. It doesn't really follow a very strict narrative, but I love that movie. I think it works really well. I think you guys, you especially liked it, at least in your fixies at that, uh, on that year. Mm. And it works. And then he uses that same style in the next four or five movies that he makes. Um, and it doesn't work in my opinion. Um, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people would agree with you, but the, but I think the question is like, at, at what point do you cross over and say, <clears throat> boy, this movie is really like making me interested in these people and really drawing me in because it's not telling me everything I need to know right away. It's not like, you know, if this voiceover were written in a, in a, in a poorly, in a poor fashion, it would be, you know, it would be very bad, but it's not, it's not, I think, again, I think it's used sparingly. You're not, you're not told like, you know, this film shows and not tells it, 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 like the conversations of those guys sitting in the waiting for the train robbery and, 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 um, the conversations they have, like everything Paul Schneider says as Dick little in this movie, like is just so interesting to me. And like, he seems like a real like needle in a haystack among these guys. And, and for me, this movie invites you in and lets you experience these things. And it, it does that by, you know, like, and I don't, I don't want to call it subtlety because there's something subtle about the music in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I love the music, but it's very wrenching and 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 um, Nick deliberate. Cave. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I, I do think it, you, you know, and and maybe I know that there was a lot of different. This movie was in post for a long time, um, with different edits and going back and forth with the studio. And I think you know there maybe there was a more clear and concise edit, and then maybe there was an edit that was like three and a half hours long and didn't make any sense and drove everybody crazy. But I mean, I wanted more when I left, you know, and it's a pretty long movie at 160 minutes. Yeah. I had to watch the last 30 minutes today. Um, what made you want to review this on the podcast? I just think it's so interesting. It's such a bizarre movie, the way it's made. I mean, I can't think of anything like, I think Malik is the closest example of it, but I don't, I don't think he's, I don't know. It's just, this is such a fascinating and beautiful movie and it. Um, but I think it's aware it's a beautiful, you know, I think it's, if this movie didn't work on all those other levels, I think it would be a, uh, a big flop, but it works as sort of a, a tonal film that, that, you know, in, in the sort of PTA master sort of way where you're just like, I, I, there, there's some, you know, there, whether you can articulate it or not, you, you know, there's something there watching this movie. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. The master. Yeah. You know, um, so let's, let's get into, uh, let's first get into the performances because I'm curious if you felt the same way I did about Casey Affleck's performance. And then we'll talk about the, uh, we'll, we'll top it all off with the cherry, uh, on the Sunday with the cinematography. But, um, yeah, I loved him. I thought he. I, was, thought he I think was this so is good. best best performance I've seen from him, from a very you know acclaimed actor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a lot older than Bob Ford's supposed to be, and I think and you so like, is, to- you totally get it. Like, and so is Brad. 
Brad Pitt's a lot older as well. Yeah. I think everyone's a lot older. Yeah. Than but it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't it, matter. Well, it, doesn't, you... it only matters because they keep talking about their ages. If they hadn't, if if, it, if he wasn't like, I'm 19, or or the narrator's like, and Bob, uh, and Jesse James is, is 34 at the time, and you're like right. looking at a 48-year-old. 34, and was missing, was missing a finger on the left hand yeah. above the two knuckles. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I think his, I mean, his, this is his, like I said, it's his movie. Those little transitions that he has these great transitions a couple times in the movie where he goes from like either sort of admiring someone or, or try bragging, um, to like being quickly made fun of and feeling ashamed and embarrassed and getting very angry. And he's just like a little kid. He's so good at that stuff. It's so good. And I think like, to me, like that's the kind of the heart of the movie is this, is this, you know, ex- his existence, which is like, yeah, he's, he's there. I think Jesse keeps him around because he, you know, he has this affection and, and sees him more as like a, you know, as like a legend than, than maybe these other guys do. And well, that's he also a great question the the motivation of Jesse James to not get rid of him or kill him or or like I I found that bizarre and you think it's because of the idolization of him he and, and I think that. and I think he's smarter than all the other guys and he tells Jesse the truth you know everybody else kisses his ass and I don't think Bob Ford does that much but here's the other thing this this movie kind of like sort of comes across as a betrayal of loyalty by yeah. Robert Ford. I didn't buy that for one second. I didn't find anybody loyal to anybody in this film. And least of all, Jesse James being finding somebody that he cares about enough that's loyal to him. Like I, I, I didn't find, I didn't buy that narrative part at all. And I think that's more the, the, like the narr or, or again going back to the narrating, the narrating sort of telling us one thing where I'm seeing another thing. Right, right. Um, I mean, did you find it? Like, did you find him as the, uh, the loyalty part? Like he he doesn't seem to like Jesse that much. Pretty quickly in this movie, he does idolize him because he has his books and all this stuff, and he gets made fun of by his brother and his cousin or the cousin of jesse you know like but i i don't see there being like this blind loyalty that he has to jesse james like he quickly turns on him when he gets arrested like almost immediately and you know well yeah but at that point he knows that they've that he's killing off everybody from the train robbery right so why would he be why would this end as like it's a betrayal. Well, I, I think his like depression at the end of the movie is more, I don't think it's a betrayal. I mean, they, you know, like, I don't know. I, it's a good question. Um, what do you, what do you think of Brad Pitt in this? I liked him. It's not my favorite performance of his. I think that might be the, in, um, the tree of life, but I, I I like him. I thought he's good. I think, and I usually don't like him. Really, I didn't know you didn't like Brad Pitt in general. Yeah, I mean, I uh, well, I shouldn't say it. Maybe not that. I shouldn't say it quite that concretely. But yeah, like he's not my favorite by any means. Interesting. I mean, I think when when he gives good performances, he's really on. Uh, 
I'm actually torn on his performance here. And I don't think it was Brad Pitt as much as, again, back to like the motivation of that character. And I, I just didn't quite understand it or where his headspace is. And I get that, like the narrator said, he goes through mood swings, okay? But still, like, where are you when and why? Uh, like, I never, you know, I never, like, felt anything tug at my heartstrings when he was, you know, at home with his family and his kids or, like, any of that. Didn't, I never believed it for a second, and I think I wasn't really supposed to. But I also didn't believe, like we said, like, why are these guys following him what was the motivation and hmm. i don't know i just i maybe it's because this movie is so it it tries to sort of be such an anti-western that even though i can be aware of the fact that it is an anti-western i'm still looking for some sort of you know, from Jesse James, some sort of leadership, some sort of understanding of what's going on in his mind, why people are following him, why the legend exists. And maybe this movie became too insistent on its anti-Western stance that it really, it, it, it wouldn't even you know, try to, 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 to take even a little bit of, of any of those, uh, questions or qualities. Yeah. But the movie is, I mean, in my opinion, the movie is telling us that he's at the end of the road, you know, like he's broken down and paranoid and sick and, you know, he gets murdered, of course, and that's the end of his life. But, but, um, and, and I don't know. I mean, what I think there are, especially, you know, there are plenty of people who are famous for no good reason now. I mean, especially now, <laughs> right. You know, and I'm not saying that like Jesse James was the Kim Kardashian of his time or anything, but, you know, he was a legend and then he says it himself. He says, he's, uh, Casey Affleck's Bob Ford is talking about the all the things that are written in the books that he has, and he's like, you know, they're all lies, or half of them are lies, or whatever. But in the way that he, the way he's saying that, means he's also read them, right? Or he knows, or at of least them knows, and, of yeah, them. yeah, right, and yeah, so. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think it's important that he be who he is. He's charismatic. We, we seem to, you know, he's played by Brad Pitt. He's got a lot of charisma. You know, he's, people fear him. I mean, like, again, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of what I was saying about being sort of, you know, we like these movies where we're just sort of dumped in the middle of it. Again, if you're dumped in the middle of it and you can't see anything and you can't make sense of anything, that doesn't work. But you're kind of that part of it is a little bit left up to the imagination. These people kind of worship him. He's got some charm. They're scared of him. Um, 
but he's like a living legend. You know, this is a guy, you know, in the movie, in the context of the movie is in these books that we see and he's sitting right next to them eating soup, you know, and robbing a train with him or they're sleeping next to each other in a room. And, and, um, you know, he, Bob forces, he's like, you know, I, I never would have thought I woke up this morning and by you know lunchtime I'd be having robbing a train C- with cigars the, worth whatever, yeah. yeah. Um great. Well let's uh let's well is there any other performances you want to touch on? Sam Rockwell, Jeremy Renner, anything you were like, oh that's you know, different or fun or unique for that those those uh character actors. I yeah, I just I did what, did you like Paul Schneider I did maybe, actually maybe surprisingly I like his, no his no I surprisingly his... did I don't really know him like I know him from like Parks and Rec season one right. and two which he right. was not very good in so to see him in this I was uh, very impressed um but uh and I always like Sam Rockwell whenever he does anything and I yeah, think he's, he's also real, really good in this he, I think he's so good in this too uh and and just you know I don't know he's just fun but um, and maybe if we have time in the end, maybe we rank our our top our, our top five uh, Brad Brad Pitt performances. But um, oh, I thought we were doing Brad Pitt movies. <laughs> I was getting performances. Oh, well, we can yeah, we can have the discussion, and um, and then let's get to it. Let's talk about Roger Deakins, the work he did here. Why is it so good? Why is it so influential? Like, what is he doing differently here, you think, than his other masterworks? You know, what what is it that you're just, I mean, it, it's like a painting, you know, every once in a while, you just, you make a masterpiece and, um, yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, some, a lot of movies, there's like these standout shots, you know, like these, like, oh, that's such a beautiful shot. And, um, but like really like every frame of this movie is gorgeous and like, evocative and I love what they do with those like sort of um, transition scenes where they put all that they like use these pan and tilt lenses to give it this like really old sort of um, kind of old style photography look to it what is uh, uh, like and they were also doing like basically like putting Vaseline on the corners of the yeah lens yeah so it's just like, like like using bad lenses essentially yeah. to shoot this stuff it is really cool um and it's just yeah the color is so and also the use of um i noticed the use of like the old glass i mean apparently they built the whole like yeah. town or whatever but just looking through that through the old glass and the way it bends people's faces um and i think you know what what most people think of is just his night work in this and when i was watching it i was kind of looking for the motivation the like the motivated light and like why like a lot of times you're just like okay so there's clearly a light on the other side of that hill right that shouldn't be there that's lighting up this whole like world we're seeing in this one he was able to hide a lot of those lights and use like whatever the lamp i mean i'm sure the lights were there but but the lanterns, the the light from the train, that yeah. sort of stuff, and where where it's very very difficult to see where the real source of of light is coming from, and I think that's particularly what makes it special. Okay, well, so to to sort of like um, 
to sort of like dig down on your initial feelings about this movie, that scene yeah. is incredible. It's yeah. um, it's beautiful and gorgeous, and the music is haunting, and it, it's like a serpent. This like tr- this is like a this is like a dragon emerging. This this train, yeah. but what's the point of all that? <laughs> like, what's the what like? It's incredible looking, and it, it's like one. I mean, it's so evocative just just in how it looks and sounds. But what are they trying to tell us with that? Um, I wish I had a, a good answer for you. Um, are are you trying to get at like because of its beauty? Like you think the actual beauty of the shot is ex- like extending into the meaning of the scene well i think as soon as that light comes on as soon as you see the flickering of that light you get this very emotional uh, evocative music that stirs your heartstrings but what are they trying to say are they trying to say wow this train is really important or is it like is this this is danger this is this is opportunity this is like you know um I, don't I really think know. I think it goes back I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's the tone. It's not saying it's not putting the motivation behind the story. It's it's giving you that that tone, whatever it is that makes you feel, which isn't anything concrete like you're saying. It's not about um, you know, the the danger of here comes the train. Like you, you get that sense a little bit that something big's happening, but it's more of the tone of, of, uh, or, or the tone of the feeling that it evokes. And it's not anything that you can really put words to. Well, I'll just give you an example. Um, since I know the filmmaker in the gray area, we have a, we have a, scene with a piece of music that I ultimately am regretful that we used. Yeah. But it's, it's very evocative and very, it's a, you know, for a, for a movie with not a lot of music and subtle music, it's a big choice and it's meant to sort of bridge a gap that a lot of people identified in the screenplay. You, you might've been one of them um, where these, you know, young, young guys are just, you know, normal, white dudes and then suddenly become, you know, torturers and, and private detectives. Um, and you know, the way we filmed that stuff and the, where they were walking in this, in the location and the music with it was meant to be like, this is kind of their like descent into hell, you know, like this is the transition. I don't think it really worked that way. Um, and it could have been just like, this is cool looking and it sounds cool. Um, but, you know, like I, I, I think you got to pick your big moves carefully, and that's definitely the most memorable moment in the movie. Um, it's not my favorite moment, but it's definitely the most memorable. It's probably the one, and it happens like very early in the movie as well. And so, I mean, like if you're gonna do that, there should be some intention behind it, and maybe well, it maybe, is tone. Maybe like, the in, maybe the intention is like here. This is it. This is where, like, this is what they do. Like, this is why they're known. We're about to get into the reason for the legend. We're doing a train robbery. All right. Well, that's a good, yeah, that's good. Maybe a little piece maybe, of it, like you were asking for. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Um, but 
I feel like I think I feel like ultimately I think you like this movie more than I did. I didn't dislike it. I really respected it. Um it, it again, it's one of those uh, almost to the level of cinematic jerk off movies where it's just there's something about it that you just in your bones understand that it, it it's a well made film. But I also don't think you're totally disagreeing with me in the lack of story slash character motivation that would have been nice to really push it along. I think that comes with multiple viewings and that's an, it's an interesting thing to discuss, right? Does like, if you, if you miss it on the first viewing. Yeah. Can your expectation be that? Right. Like it's like the little joke we make where like, at the film festival, just like you know what you guys you gotta watch it one more time to really get all the the nuances. Yeah. Sit um, back down. Sit back down. It's another three and a half hours. Um, but you know that's the way we watch this, and I think like the cinematography and the music like really draw you in. They make me like want to go. Oh god, I want to like a cinematic jerk off night. <laughs> and you put it on, and it's like oh yeah, there's a little bit more going on here than just that. And um. Yeah, it's it's and I also think like that kind of makes it more more of an interesting movie. Like if you compare this to um No Country for Old Men and um There Will Be Blood, two movies sort of maybe s- slightly similarly themed that came out the same year. Hmm. Is you know, those those movies are better, for sure, both of them. Um but is this one more interesting because it's not quite perfect. Like those other yeah, two movies I think are perfect. And this one is a little less, it's certainly like a lot less straightforward than, Oh, it's um, for sure. No country th- and definitely. And I think there will be blood as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of this in real life, but it's like one of those things where because the flaw, there's the flaw, your brain inherently is working harder to fill it in. You know, mm-hmm. and I think because of that, it becomes more interesting because you're you're fighting. You know, like you, there's enough there that you're seeing that really works, but there's that piece that isn't. And I think you are, as an audience member, working hard to fill that in on your own. Um, and I don't think they, I just don't think they give you enough to do that. But that also engages you to the point where you might find it more interesting, excuse me, than like No Country for Old Men or There Will Be Blood. Because those movies are so, you know, nearly perfect. You're not filling anything in. You're just like, this yeah. is this is great. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I mean, as of that film watcher i'd much rather have the whoa this is great i mean i think everyone would uh to to something like this where it's it just isn't quite all there yeah i agree all right do you want to do you want to talk about your favorite brad pitt movies or performances why don't we save this for when lee lee gets back all right list because i think we're supposed to do i think we were supposed to do movies if you check the group chat we're supposed to do movies and not performances i i clarified that all right well that's that's just as easy um 
so that being said, um, Blonde, when does that come out? Do we know? Uh, it's on Netflix. I think it comes out pretty soon. Hold on, I'll look. Uh, yourselves. Yeah, I think that's going to be one that we try to uh, podcast for September. right away in September. Um, Longer than this movie somehow. What? How's that even possible? How old was she when she died? Younger than him. Yeah. So, shorter movie. But yeah, it's uh, Andrew Dominic uh, wrote it, directed it, and uh, Ana de Armas will be starring in it. And uh, she's she's big right now, huh? Big doing all right, doing all right for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be this year's this year's movie. Uh, all right, uh, Chapin. Anything anything else you want to add about the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford? No, 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 nothing. All right. Well, thanks for uh, for joining us today. Check us out on Instagram. Email us at feedback at gyff. I don't remember what it is anymore. Just check us out on Instagram. DM I us. <laughs> I think it's uh, get your film fix podcast at gmail dot com. There you go. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hopefully we will have another one for you soon. All right. <laughs>